Rabbi Wernick, Reb Steve, asked us, what are some of the questions that came up at our seders? Right? And some of you gave some really beautiful answers by giving questions. And I wanted to share with you, actually, just to start, um, the relational question, probably not surprising for many of you that we had relational questions at our Seder, um, that we used on the second night. So we had 27 people around the table. Many of them were young children. And um, we actually asked two relational questions. We did a, a big go-around when we started the Magid section of, of our Seder. Question number one that they had to answer is, how do you know Ryla, my wife? Which was really fun for everybody to answer. And the second one, we asked everyone to share one brave thing that they did in the last few months or maybe in the last year. One brave thing. And before we ask the question, we just did a quick review of some of the brave moments in Yitziat Mitzrayim, in the Exodus story. And beautiful answers, especially from the kids, came up of moments of incredible bravery. So I'm going to ask you that question right now. Take a moment and just reflect on what is something brave that you did recently. Just going to let you think. Everyone have an answer? Yeah, sometimes we think, ugh, I don't have anything. But when we start going a little deeper, removing the layers of the onions, we find really beautiful answers that we make brave choices and decisions and actions every single day. I'm going to get to an answer that I have for you today. Um, it's not one that I shared at the Seder, but a different one. But it's going to take a little bit of a story, as it often does, to get there. March 30th, 2018, so just about five years ago, I got an email from my friend Dawit Demos. And the email was to congratulate Ryla and I on having our third child, Sela, who was born just a few days earlier. And he wrote as following. He said in his email, Congratulations to all of you on the birth of a son, and congratulations to me for getting another friend. And so Dawit has really become a close and good friend of mine over the years. I'm going to share with you a little bit of his story. Just fast forward nine months later, Dawit emails me again as a part of an exchange that we were having about how we might be able to help some refugees who were making their way or trying to make their way to Canada. And in this email, Dawid asked me if I thought Betzedek might be willing to sponsor his father, his stepmother, and his four half-siblings. And his stepmother and his four siblings were living at the time in a refugee camp in the Tigray region of Ethiopia. And his father had been separated from them for about 11 years at that time, was living in Germany without status. And so I brought that to Barry in our refugee sponsorship group, and then brought it to the leadership of the synagogue, and the decision was, yeah, we're going to do this. 
we're going to be able to help this family. <clears throat> and I want to tell you a little bit about Dawit's journey and how we became friends. So Dawit, about 15 years ago, in his early 20s, together with his father, left Eritrea one day and began an extremely dangerous journey through Ethiopia, through Sudan, through Egypt, and the Sinai Desert, ultimately making his way into Israel, where he arrived as an asylum seeker. It's actually quite interesting that his journey, not the complete one, but parts of it, echoed the exact footsteps of our ancestors through the Sinai Desert on their way to Israel. During this time, he was imprisoned, he was shot at, almost died several times, but ultimately ended up in Israel. Things weren't perfect for him in Israel, as we know that the reality for asylum seekers was and continues to be a challenging one in Israel. But life was also quite good for him. He got an education, created lots of friends, learned Hebrew and English, and was cared for. He also became a leading activist for asylum seekers' rights in Israel, and eventually met a young Canadian, my wife Ryla's first cousin, who was volunteering in Israel for a year. And she ended up sponsoring Dawit, and he moved here to Canada in 2016. And when he moved here, he actually became part of my family. Babysat my kids, has been with us for seders, for Rosh Hashanah meals, and a really good friend, as I mentioned before. So four years have passed since we agreed as Betzedek to take on this family and bring them here to Canada. Literally from the darkness and the confusion of being in a refugee camp to being here in a place of light here in Canada. And in those four years, while we as Betzedek raised the money and waited impatiently, his family dealt with really horrible conditions in the refugee camp, persecution, famine. Many described the region as a, ref, sorry, as a genocide, especially for people from Eritrea and for the Tigray area. And I want to say that thanks to the generosity of hundreds of people in our community, and I know many of you who are in this room now today were part of those who contributed money towards bringing them here, what I know is that during their time there, we gave them hope. That's what we were able to do. Little bits of money we were able to give this family hope. On March 8th, the Wheats family arrived here to Toronto and members of our refugee sponsorship group welcomed them at the airport. And I have to say, for me, that was a moment of incredible pride and joy. Right? We were able to help this one family, but in an incredibly significant way. So now here's a, a bit of a pitch, and I'm going to go back to the story. So we're now working on finding them a permanent home. So if you know anybody who has access to apartments, they're a family of six, 
it's really hard to find housing in the city right now. So if you know anyone or you yourself have a space that you think would be appropriate for them, please come and let me know. But I also wanted you to know that the joy of this moment for this family was actually tempered a little bit by the fact that their father, who's been in Germany because of bureaucracy, hasn't been able to join them yet. So 15 years apart now, and he's still not here. You might be wondering why I'm talking about this today, on Cholomoed Shabbat of Pesach. And it also might feel obvious, right? We're at this moment... We're talking about from the narrow places we call out, from Mitzrayim, from the narrow space, the spaces that limit us. And this is a time that's known as the time of our freedom. And so I'm telling you about a story in which we helped other people find freedom. Dawit, when he ran away 15 years ago, was dealing with conscription into an army, and not like being in the Israeli army or in the Canadian army. This is an army experience where your life is like slavery, where he would have been in the army until he was an old man, and he would have suffered greatly. Not exactly the same as what our ancestors experienced, but still slavery nonetheless. And so this is the Tzman Chaotenu, the season of our freedom, so I wanted to share with you how we've helped others experience some freedom. Yesterday, Norman Kahn, as a part of the Q&A that was happening with Rib Steve, shared a beautiful teaching from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs of why do we talk about it as Zman Cherutenu, or the word Cherut, freedom, as opposed to Chofesh, a different kind of freedom, one that resembles more vacation. Rabbi Sachs taught that Cherut is really about freedom too. What are we going to do with our freedom? Right? We experienced being slaves in Egypt. We are no longer slaves in Egypt today as a Jewish people. What are we doing with our freedom? Rabbi Yitz Greenberg explains that this moment of taking the Jewish people out of Egypt was the moment in which Hashem, in which God is teaching the world that human beings are meant to be free. And a part of our covenant with God is understanding that it is actually our role, our mitzvah, to help bring freedom to other people. That's our job. There's supposed to be freedom in the world. And it, what do we do with this freedom? We go straight from Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim, from the Exodus story, and our people marched on their way to where? To the next moment in the covenant, to Mount Sinai. We're going to celebrate Shavuot in just 47 days now? 47 days. Where we received the Torah. What's the Torah really about? It's about how do we build moral, caring societies? How we create communities in which we can love each other and care for each other. Specifically for our Jewish community, we have the principle of Arevut, Kol Yisrael Arevim Zelazeh, as we learn in the Talmud, that all Jewish people are responsible for one another. And we've built tremendous communities that focus on that, that allow us to care for each other. But we also know that it's not just about caring for other Jews, 
but finding ways to care for all of humanity so all can experience freedom and love and care. For many years, I've been teaching a course here at Beth Zedek called Jewish Couplehood. And in the first session, this is for young couples, where we basically get to create space for them to grapple together with the ways in which they want to live Jewish life. What does it mean for them to have a Jewish home? And in the first session, I always give them a long list of Jewish values. And inevitably, there are always a few couples that have some disagreements about this concept of Arevut, about the special relationship and care that we have for other Jews. That some young Jews in particular find it difficult. Like, why do we have to care more about other Jews? I think it's an amazing principle. I really do. I think it's a beautiful thing. And we built our communities around it. But some of us struggle with it. I want to point you towards a pasuk in the Torah that I find really powerful that comes as a part of the laws that are given at Har Sinai and listed in Parsha Mishpatim. Torah reads, V'ger lo tilchatz v'atem yedatem enefesh agel kigarim heitem be'eretz mitzrayim. Do not oppress the stranger, the ger. Don't other them. Don't put extra stress or pressure on them. Why? Right, this comes up about 36 times in the Torah, about how we're supposed to treat the stranger, the one who might feel othered. But in this case, the reason is really profound. Because you know the soul, the feelings, the experience of being othered, of being the stranger of being oppressed. Why? Because you were slaves. You were strangers in Egypt. This was our experience. Now I want to tell you my moment of bravery. And it actually comes from a moment of um, incredible sadness, actually. I love my work here at Beth Zedek. I get to do amazing things. As I just shared, we just helped bring a family. We get to do incredible mitzvahs, show care all the time. But sometimes it doesn't go well. Right? And this isn't a story of when I have to be with people in sad moments. I'm in pe with people in sad moments all the time. And those are a part of the amazing work that we do. But I'm going to share a story that made me profoundly sad, but also led to a moment of bravery. So part of what we've been doing these last few months has been collecting furniture for Dawit's family. I think many of you, if not all of you, have seen these, the emails and the announcements about this. And I received one day a call from someone who's not a member here, but adjacent to Betzerek, and said, I have beautiful furniture. And she sent me pictures of really beautiful furniture. And she shared, I want to donate this to, ideally, a Jewish-Ukrainian family. Can you help me find someone? And I said to this woman, we'll call her Jane, just to make it easy. And I said to Jane, you know, I, I might be able to find a Jewish-Ukrainian family, but what I do have is an Eritrean family who are coming, hopefully, in the next few months, and I think they would love this furniture. 
And the first thing I want to say is that Ukrainian on the phone, Ukrainian and Eritrean can sound a lot alike. It can. And maybe I wasn't as clear as I needed to be. So arrangements were made. This was the day before Hanukkah. And Dawit, together with one of his friends, they had a truck and they went over to pick up the furniture. And Dawit, as a black Eritrean man, walked, knocked on the door, and they were a couple of hours late. And she wanted them to wear a mask, and they didn't have masks on. And so very quickly, emotions were, you know, things were unsettled. And she looked at them, and she saw Dawit and said, Oh, are you Eritrean? Sorry, are you Ukrainian? Are you Jewish? And he said, no, I'm not. I'm Eritrean. And so I think she realized quickly there was a bit of a mix-up, which I take responsibility for my side of that. But she looked at them in a way that made Dawit feel horrible. Needless to say, they left without the table and furniture that day. And this was actually on Shabbat. And that night... When I opened up my phone, I saw that I had a few missed calls from this woman and an email from Dawit's friend. And I knew I had some stuff to deal with the next day. And hearing from Dawit, and when I spoke to him, what he shared was that for his, in his seven years here in Toronto, this was the first time that he felt racism directed at him. That as a black man, in a community, so connected to Betzedek, where all he's experienced was warmth and love and care, he experienced something very different. And so then I had to pick up the phone and I had to call her, because I had all these missed calls from her. And here comes the moment of bravery. So I explained to her, so first I let her talk to me and tell me what happened from her end. I apologized for the confusion. And I also let her know you had someone in front of you, a refugee, exactly as the Torah tells us, the people were not supposed to stress or oppress in an extra way, that we have to be caring with, that we have to love. The Torah actually says love of Temetagel. And I had to explain to her the hurt that she caused. That was not an easy moment for me, but also one that felt like it was in keeping with this mitzvah. And as I said before, I have no issue with people who want to give special care to other Jews, or maybe even non-Jewish Ukrainians who look maybe a little bit more like us, and sometimes it's easier to help those people. But this was a human being standing in front of her, and she did the opposite of what the Torah is telling us to do. And so I told her this, and she felt it, and she apologized to me, and she asked me if there was any chance that they would be willing to take this table after all. And Dawid actually decided not to. And the reason he and his family decided not to take this table was because unlike the maror and the salt water that we put on the Seder table, 
They weren't ready to be reminded of this moment every single day and every time they gathered around that table. Right? We do it for ourselves once a year. But that was also a story that happened to us many years ago, to our people. And we relive it and we experience it every year at the Seder. And of course we experience anti-Semitism far too often these days, even here in Toronto. But he didn't want to have that be the table that he sits around. And so I let her know that that was their decision. And so I think she learned from it. Incredible moments of joy I get to experience here at Betzedek and moments of pride. But also moments like this, where there are what we call our teachable moments in life. We say at the Seder, In every generation, every year, when we're sitting with our families around our tables, we're supposed to experience as if we ourselves are in Mitzrayim, in that narrow space, and in Egypt. But it's not so that we feel right now like we are oppressed, even though we are sometimes. It's actually so that we can remember that we know what it's like to be the oppressed one. That we know Nefesh Hagel, we know what it was like so we can fulfill all the mitzvot that the Torah tells us of how we can care for others, how we can be more compassionate, how we can use our cherut, our freedom too. And we can use our freedom to help those who need it the most. I know this will be a year full of moments of bravery. I'm excited to hear them. So share them with each other and with me during Kiddush today. Shabbat Shalom, Mawadim Lasimcha, and we're going to continue with Musaf. Please rise as you're able to. Oh, and Mazel Tov on bringing this family. Fulfilled an amazing mitzvah.